Hey there, Fat Guy Forum fans. A huge Happy New Year as we enter 2022. And I'm excited that you're still listening to the show. If you'd like to support us, you can do a couple of things. First, if you're an Apple user or you use Spotify, you can rate and review the podcast there to get us in front of more people. Also, you can use the support links in the show notes to purchase products, get a discount for yourself, generate some income for the show, or you can join the Patreon. And there's some cool stuff coming with the Patreon I will be announcing very soon. I know I've said it before, but this time it's really happening. So I'm just excited for all that's to come in this year. Thank you so much for being a part of this adventure. And on to the show. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Fat Guy Forum. I'm excited to have you with us today. And with me, uh, every so often I have guests come back on the show. And that is what is happening today for a reason. And that guest, you may have seen his episode. Um, his name is Roger Villalobos. Roger, why don't you give your give a quick introduction to the people that haven't heard your first visit to the show? Okay, sure. Um, so anyways, my name is Roger Villalobos. I'm 34 years old. I'm a single dad in South Texas in San Antonio. Um, got three beautiful kids, Lucas, Sophia, and Noah. And they are 10, 9, and 4. And basically, you know, all my life I was a fat guy, right? And um, at my heaviest, you know, I was somewhere around 500 pounds. I didn't really weigh myself anymore at that point. I was just kind of like, it is what it is. Um, I would say I've had three um, weight loss journeys, which I lost over 100 pounds. So this is my third one. Um this is my most successful one where I've been able to keep the weight off um, pretty much. And just really, a lot of times when I lost all the weight, I would kind of lose the weight and be like, cool, the job's done. And that's really when the real work begins. And I've been able to kind of shift my mindset this time to set other goals, set other things that I want to do. And um, yeah, and then I reached out to Gormy because um, along this journey, I've learned that it's all about the mental and healing and that's why I brought up to Gourmet wanting to talk about you know what actually creates someone who is severely obese you know because everybody likes food everybody likes cookies but there's something different I feel in my heart that leads to extreme obesity and that's kind of what we want to get into today definitely and, and I want to obviously preface this with saying that neither of us are mental health professionals or doctors, but we're, we're really coming at this today to kind of talk about it from our own experiences and what, we've, of what we have observed. Uh, I think if you're a longtime listener to the show, a lot of what we talk about will probably resonate. You know, the, the interesting thing is like specifically, you know, when, when Roger reached out, he, he was talking about the impact of, of trauma, you know, whether that's trauma when you're younger, and I, I think trauma can happen at almost any time in our lives, but the impact of, of trauma on how we handle emotions and what we use to handle those emotions and how food can get intertwined with that. Um, the, the really interesting thing to me was the week that he reached out to me, uh, I probably, I, I think I lost count around three or four, had three or four different people reach out and say, it's really interesting that there's this common thread, you know, of, of trauma in the lives of a lot of your guests. And so again, we're—I I don't think in any ways we're saying this is a hundred percent what every person has been through, but I—I I think just delving into these topics is important to shed some light in terms of what happens and how people work through, you know, a lot of these challenges. So I—I—I I, I don't want to be the be the person who keeps rambling, man. Like I know there's, you know, this this topic was on your heart when you reached out to me, and so I want to give you a chance to to start to dive into it so we can talk about it. Absolutely, man. I mean. And that, and just like Gormy said, like our goal with this conversation, this is by no means advice, quote unquote, to anybody. We just want to have this conversation because specifically in our, you know, demographic of obese people, you know, we're looked down upon as lazy or whatever it may be. And I don't think that's necessarily the case in most of the most of the time, you know, most of the time when someone's obese, like they're a hard worker, you know, it's just for some reason they can't get a healthy eating plan or a diet regimen or a workout regimen to stick. And 
myself included in that and i know you've talked before about you going up and down um with your weight as well and off off the rails on the rails and and i found i've been reading a lot of books because of of course a lot of people who if you heard my last podcast like i'm a big proponent on 75 hard and while it's not for everybody one thing i definitely would recommend everybody is read 10 pages a day of some sort of self-development or business or just some sort of book to grow your mind and in that process i've read a lot of great books lately on self-help um one is called the mountain is you which um the first book was the mountain is you i'm not quite sure on the author on that one um the second book that's kind of opened my eyes was um, How to Do the Work by Dr. Nicole LaPera. And the third book that has really helped shift my mindset is um, The Obstacles Away by Ryan Holiday. That's the one I'm currently reading. And that one's really helped to shape my mindset on anything bad that happens or any obstacle I face. Um, I just try and see it as an opportunity to get better. And how can I learn? How can I grow? How can I get stronger from this obstacle versus when you come from like a traumatic past, like anything that throws you off your schedule. I don't know about you, Mike, but it takes me a, it typically stresses me out a bit more than I would say like the typical person. Um, so then when it comes to that, through my journey, you know, like especially this past year, um, I've gone up and down with my weight, as I said before, and I kind of started to go up again in, you know, January, February-ish, and that's when I was reading uh, The Mountain Is You, and I noticed, like, I'm putting this bad food in my body that's not nutritionally serving, I'm starting to gain weight, but I couldn't stop myself, and I was like, this is totally self-sabotage, because I do not want to be eating this way, but I couldn't stop myself, Um and then when I started reading, that one kind of opened me up to realizing that. And then when I started reading How to Do the Work, um, she talks about like childhood trauma and how it affects our relationships as adults. And in that, she said there's typically three, you know, bad things that can happen from childhood trauma. And one of them was addiction. The second one was autoimmune disorders. And then the third one was obesity. And when I heard that, when I read that, I think that's when I reached out to you and I was like, hey, do you think that childhood trauma can be a big common factor in a lot of us that are, have been obese? And I believe you're like, yeah, I definitely could see it. Yeah, I think because I, I think there's probably someone sitting out there who's thinking, well, I, I was 500 pounds and I, I don't remember having any specific trauma that led me there. Like, and that's okay. This, I, I don't think in any way, like driving into this topic means that we're saying this is a prescriptive term, you know, that applies to every person. I think instead it's trying to speak to the people that are here, you know, he, like you reading those books, you hear that message and you think, I hadn't put it in that context before, or I hadn't seen that through line in my life or realized that. Like, I think also like, you know, when I, I do think, you know, it's important for us to kind of even do some of the, the backing up of it, like in terms of realizing, you know, how, do, how, like for, I, I speak for me, like, I think for me, a lot of what I would identify as, as childhood trauma was related to the instability of home life, my parents' divorce, their subsequent relationships and our moving around and, you know, instability. And the only thing that was stable in my life was food, you know, and it, it became the only thing that I knew would be there from day to day. And the, and in a lot of ways, like too, you know, for me, it became the thing that I could control. You know, it was, it would be the thing that I had some say over. And, you know, when it felt like everything else is, you know, falling apart or everything else is outside of your control, you look to the things that you can control. And, you know, for, for me, I think what, what that built then, because this is where I think, you know, you, you have that, you know, that impact of, of things that happen to you when you're a kid is that's when you're growing and developing. And that's when you're learning how you interact with the world and how you relate to the world, how the world relates to you, you know, and, and those, those other pieces, because I, I feel like I could, I could sit here with a laundry list, you know, B 
because of my size, I was extremely bullied as a child. Like, so I felt very isolated and alone. And again, the only friend I had was food. You know, when I was, especially being older, when I was growing up, it wasn't like there were a lot of chubby kids around. You know, there was one other kid in my, my grammar school huh, who was also overweight, like literally one other kid. And he left, you know, we were, we were really good friends. He left in the middle of a year and basically had a medical emergency that we weren't told about. It was very quote unquote mysterious. And when he came back to the school a year later, he was thin and it turned out he was type type one diabetic. And so obviously technology and medicine and dealing with type one diabetes was very different. You know, we're talking 40 years, you know, almost 40 years ago at this point, very different, you know, so it was a, an extreme medical emergency to try to get this, you know, child taken care of and cared for and back under control and all of that. So when he came back, my one buddy in the defense against the bullies be actually became one of the bullies because they embraced him because he came back then, you know, so I went through this experience of feeling like I had at least one person on my side and I had some friends, but they weren't the people that it was like I was going to go, you know, be a full part of their lives forever and, you know, all of those things. Like, it was very kind of like academic friends sort of thing at that point in my life. And it impacted me going from the place of all of a sudden I was the sole target in the school. Like, so this was also when everything started happening. So basically, you know, I and we all have our experiences and things along those lines, but I, I share it because... I think there was a, a way that all of that became a perfect storm for me, this perfect strong storm of experiences where I felt defenseless at school and I felt no support for that at home because everything was falling apart at home and changing. And we, that the, the, when my parents first separated, we moved from our family home into apartments and moved four or five times and moved into my grandparents' house. And my mother did all of these great things to, you know, to keep us together, but as a child going through that, you know, you view that through a very different lens. And it, it impacted, you know, where were the things that I turned to for comfort and safety? And where were the things that I turned to for fun? You know, and it started to create this, this destructive pathway in my life of the only thing that gave me any sense of comfort or any sense of pleasure or any sense of any of that was food. And those habits then continued to grow and, and become ingrained. Because I think when you're a kid, a lot of those experiences are very foundational. You know, we talk about children having foundational learning experiences. And I think that that trauma for me kind of put me in the place where that was how I learned how to cope with everything. And so it became my only coping mechanism. You know, if things were stressful at school, turn to food. If things were stressful, you know, I had jobs when I was very young. If I had a really long, long day at work and then had school stuff to deal with, food was the thing there to keep me going. You know, and it became this integral ingrained part of my life that wasn't just something I was conscious of, but it just became natural. You know, it becomes a, an, impart, an ingrained part of your life. It becomes the coping mechanism that you turn to, whether you're turning to it consciously or not. You know, it can become very unconscious at times. And, you know, that brings me through that experience of growing into adulthood and dealing with all sorts of different things as an adult and only having those mechanisms to deal with them. You know, only having that relationship to fall back on you know, and kind of drives the lens that you start to filter your entire life through. So when you start to become aware of it, you know, that's almost, it's like the foundation falls, falls down on the house. It's like things start to fall apart and you're no longer in a place, you know, as a kid is when you're supposed to learn all those lessons and go through all of that development. And then when you find yourself as an adult, realizing that there's a lot of development that you missed because you were in that place of just using that coping mechanism, you know, and whether that's an addiction or whether that's an addiction to, you know, drugs, alcohol, food, whether it's other coping mechanisms, whatever it is, you know, it's a hard place to come out of, you know, it gets harder. And I, I honestly believe, you know, and something I, you know, I'd love to talk about at some point today is the fact that once you become aware of the impact of these traumas on your life, it's almost like it becomes harder to deal with the coping mechanisms. Because like you said, you know, you, you reach this point, you know, you had that point where you're becoming aware of all these things with what you're reading. And you realize that you're still using food in a way that wasn't fueling your body properly. You know, you were seeing these improper behaviors and aware of them, but still doing them. And I think that's something that a lot of people go through. It's that I don't understand why I'm doing this. I just know that I'm doing it. And then when you start to see why you're doing it, it's you still feel powerless to combat it. 
So there's so much kind of that becomes entrenched and entangled, you know, in yourself as you go through these experiences. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Cause I know for me, like the childhood trauma was my dad dying at nine. And when he passed away, specifically in a Hispanic culture, like everyone's just bringing food over and, you know, fried chicken, pizza, cake, um, whatever you, whatever you can think of. And as a kid, I'm like, Oh cool. There's all this good food here. And unknowingly, I, like you said, I started using food as a coping mechanism due to, you know, the depression from the loss of my dad. And of course this was in the nineties, you know, depression wasn't a big topic back then as it is now. It's a big, you know, mental health is very important now, but back then it was just kind of like, Hey, yeah, you're sad. Get over it. You know? And, um, it, it makes that coping mechanism. And I do want to preface guys, like when you go down this road of like self-discovery, self-healing, you know, it's going to be long, it's going to be hard. And it's very earth shattering because your reality is shattered. Basically you're like, dang, I've done all this to myself unknowingly, but still you're like, I've done this to myself. And, you know, And so, you know, when my dad passed at age nine, you know, specifically in Hispanic culture, everyone starts bringing food over and fried chicken, pizza, candy, cupcakes, whatever. And unknowingly, that kind of created those coping mechanisms of food for me. And as I've gotten older, I realized, like, because that's one thing I've noticed for sure is, like, whenever I'm stressed, that's when I'll start getting cravings. And... And so, like, my brain has been trained to want food for comfort, want food to get me out of stressful situations. And, um, and you know, guys, like, I definitely preface this, like, not everybody's going to have this childhood trauma. But if you've been in a similar journey as myself where you've lost weight, gained weight, lost weight, gained weight, um, I really do recommend you dive into that and kind of see, like, what how was my childhood? Like maybe just start journaling and thinking about your childhood. Cause I know for me, um, I'm very close to like my grandma and my mom. And I tell them like, I don't really remember a whole lot of my childhood, to be honest. You know, the brain just kind of protects itself and shuts a lot of that out. Cause it's a lot of pain. Like I was telling my grandma, I remember my dad dying. I remember, you know, not going to the rosary. I remember going to the funeral, seeing him in the casket and then, like, from age 9 to maybe middle school, high school, it's a blur. And even my grandma told me, like, do you remember when we told you what happened to your dad? And I was like, no. She's like, she's like, yeah, you, you, were, you were in the bathroom and, you know, forgive me, guys, but, like, she's like, you lost your faculties. Like, you, you know, I pooped myself. And I was like, I don't remember any of that. And she's like, yeah, like you just lost it. And specifically in that book, it says that there's there's um, three stages of your mind, right? And it's fight, flight, or it gives up. And it, when your mind gives up, that's what happens. Like if you're getting attacked by a bear and like your mind knows like you're you're a goner, that's what will happen. And I was like, man, like a piece of me really did die that day. And it's just brought me to here. Now I'm, you know, 34 years old. I was like, well, it's not my fault, whatever happened to me in my past, but it's my responsibility. And even more so as a father to try and repair myself so that I can teach my kids the correct coping mechanism so that history doesn't repeat itself. And where do you think it began? Like, let, let, let's dive into kind of talking about it, you know, in terms of, because I do think there's, you know, when it comes to kind of processing the impact of, of, of trauma on your life, like a, a big part of it is like when you start to become aware of the impact, like, was it mm -hmm. through your reading that re you really started to become aware? Like, when do you, when do you think that was, was happening for you? Yeah, I definitely say it's through this journey, this time, um, and reading those books, it just kind of, it clicked for me. I don't know what it was how it happened, but like by reading those books and learning about, you know, 
uh, specifically like when I remember reading the line that said like, oh, these three things can happen. One of them's obesity. I was like, dude, that's it. Like, that's why I have this problem because when my dad died, I was just kind of like, okay, cool. My dad's dead. I'm going to move on. I never dealt with any of the pain. I never dealt with any of the trauma. And now I fast forward, I'm 34 and I'm like, dude, because I've never dealt with that trauma, that trauma, it's like the way I see it is like an infected wound. And that, and that wound is never going to heal until I like, yeah, it's going to hurt to like dive in there and clean it out. But until I do that mentally, I'm never going to heal and progress in life. No, I think that, I think that makes sense. And that's, that's why this is all so complicated, you know, in a lot of ways, because when, because you can become aware of the, of, of the trauma and the, what needs to, you know, even start to think about the healing that you need to do around it. But at the same time, it's almost like there's this other track going on of the behavior that it helped foster and addressing that behavior, you know, because in a lot of ways, especially for someone, you know, who's in the physical condition that you were in at your heaviest, or I was in at my heaviest, it's not like you can necessarily say, let me put thinking about saving my life, my physical life on hold so I can deal with the emotional trauma I need to do something about what I'm actually doing right now, which then over you know, creates even more complication and more layers of, of work and challenge. And I think it's very easy for it to be overwhelming for someone, you know, like, I, like I, I was starting to say, like, I think, you know, it's, it's, you, you become aware and that awareness is, is so important, you know, and it doesn't, I, I think it's also, you know, cause one of the things I think that we do unintentionally is define ourselves by our traumas. And realizing that it doesn't have to define who you are as a person, but you have to be realistic about the impact that it's had. And you have to build some awareness around that impact and what that looks like in your day-to-day life and the life that you've been living and how it's brought you to different places. And diving into that is hard and it hurts and it's painful and can involve a lot of, you know, for a lot of people, it can involve forgiveness for people that aren't even a part of their life anymore. You know, it can involve working through all of that on the emotional side, but also realizing that there's still a lot going on on the physical side, like that relationship, that physical relationship with food, like what you're using food for and what you turn to it for. Like, cause I, 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 you know, I work with, you know, with a lot of the clients I work with, there are times where, you know, they have no sense at all of where their behavior is coming from. They just know what their behavior is with food and what they use it for, you know, and whether it's using it as like as a stress reliever or something to help with depression, you know, all of those different pieces. And then when they start to unpack, you know, whether it's in, and I honestly believe the best way to, to, if, if you're really struggling with unpacking that trauma and working on it is work with a therapist, work with a counselor, not just a coach. I don't think that I'm the end all be all person for someone, you know, obviously because I'm, I'm not someone who's, you know, who's trained in that field. But I think when you work with someone and you start to unpack that and start to realize where that's coming from, it's almost like you said, the wound has to go, it's almost like you have to go through more pain to heal the wound. You know, you have to, sometimes then you're reliving experiences and you're revisiting things that you have tried to push out, things that you have tried to ignore and have tried to get, keep so far out of your consciousness that it's had a bigger impact than it would have if you had, div- if you had driven right through it in the first place, you know, and, and that's not, you know, there's, and there's no place in any of this to like blame, you know, adults or people that could could have quote unquote helped like it's about dealing with where you're at right now go ahead i didn't mean to cut you off no you're fine and like and guys like to be totally honest like because i'm sure like i know mike checks me out on instagram all the time like my goal is to just be totally honest and raw with y'all so that if it helps y'all in any way seeing my pain seeing my struggle by no means do i want like a pity party or oh this poor guy like that is not that is not the case because honestly, I'm still terrified to this day. Like this is some, this is like my goal for like maybe the next 30 days or sometime this year is to actually start journaling. Like to this day, I'm still terrified to start journaling because I still believe that once you start journaling, it just unlocks things a bit more. And I'm still scared to see what I unlock. Um, I'm still scared to open Pandora's box. Like, yeah, I'm still healing. I'm dealing with it. I'm taking those steps. 
Um, but also like something I've noticed is, and I heard, so I was listening to podcasts. Um, I believe it was Nick bear and Bedros Killian. And Bedros was talking about his past traumas of, um, he was molested as a child. And the thing he's noticed is that people who have traumas that can come through it. I mean, as crazy as it sounds, guys, like you've basically been given a superpower because I know for me personally, like when it comes to physical pain, I have a very high threshold because you're able to disassociate and just go through pain because of those past traumas. And that's something that I've kind of been seeing as well in my own children um, because we do have kind of a rough past, you know, um, with the divorce and with their past um, abuses that they suffered. I've noticed like specifically like in my son playing baseball, right? He's 10. Like he can get bumped or scraped or fall or whatever. And like rarely does he ever cry. But other little kids, like they just have a bad time at bat and they're crying already. And I'm like, man, like I'm kind of proud that he's tough, but at the same time, I'm kind of sad because I know that it's those traumas that have made his mind tougher to where things like that don't bother him as much. Cause even like the first time he really cried at baseball, he broke his arm. Like he's like, Oh, it hurts. Like, yeah, he broke his arm, but like you're really given a superpower if you're able to heal from these traumas because the amount of workload you're able to take, the amount of, you know, physical punishment you can put yourself through to maybe become an elite athlete um, is high because you're able to disassociate in those times of discomfort and use that as a tool rather than as a crutch. Which I, I think is probably fascinating for some people to hear, you know, some, if it's a topic they haven't really driven in, dove into before. And I, I think the important thing for people listening to, to realize is like, in a lot of ways, the message of this episode is to talk about the importance of, you know, unpacking traumatic experiences that have influenced your behavior and working on them properly and finding the right support and the right help. And also that it's not about kind of creating a, a ranking list of whose trauma is more important or whose trauma is more valid or more powerful or anything along those lines. Like the, your trauma is your trauma. You know, your experiences are your experiences that you've been through. And if those experiences have created things that you need to work on, that's okay. Like it doesn't mean, cause I, I, I think also there are times where people, you know, hear some, you know, hear people telling stories like this. And I think that's also what this is a, a part of this is, is to, you know, open up and realize that you know, kind of normalizing sharing experiences like, well, you know, my experience doesn't sound like it was that bad. You know, my experience, I don't think that what I dealt with was, was really as, as intense or really as strong as that person's experience. So why, why can't I move past this? You know, that's a fault in me. Like, I think that's a natural behavior, you know, getting into kind of this place of there's a difference between shifting blame on, onto yourself and not taking responsibility for your actions. Like there's a, there's a big divide there. And I think sometimes we, we mix that up and start to feel like, well, I should just be able to push past this. I should, I should just be able to like, I think when it really comes to kind of processing emotions and processing experiences that we've been through, whether they were years ago or recent, you know, it, it's okay to allow yourself to feel the feelings and allow yourself to go through them. And, you know, that's really when it becomes important though, to make sure that you're ready to do that and, and to find the right resources and support to help you through that. Because going through that alone, especially, you know, if you're unpacking things that you were never even really conscious of, or you were conscious of, but you weren't conscious of the impact, doing that on your own sometimes can be really, really challenging. You know, it can be something that for some people is too much. And asking for help is not a bad thing. You know, reaching out to someone and saying, look, you know, I really just have, have started to dive into this and I just don't even know who I could talk to about this. Like finding resources to support you, you know, should always be a priority. You know, it doesn't just mean, because I think we see that too in the space, like you're, you know, talking about hearing podcasts and things along those lines. Like, you know, sometimes we see that in the, you know, there, there's, there's two, almost like two different versions of discussing these topics on social media. And one is, you know, expose everything and face it all and, and strive through it and become stronger doing that. And the other side is mm -hmm. 
your traumas are your traumas. Deal with them. You don't have to share them with anyone else. You don't have to talk about it. You know, it's not good to do, you know. Absolutely. It's that, it's that sense of, you know. I think it's whatever is, it, is, it good that, or is it, it, And that's when it comes like, and that's when it comes to like, it's legitimately guys, like whatever is best for you. Mm-hmm. For me, it, for me personally, it pushes me more knowing that I can help someone else. And for some people, it pushes them more to be closer to the cuff. And that's totally okay. And you're okay to feel what you feel. And you're okay to deal with whatever pain you have inside of you in whichever way works best for you. By no means are me and me and Gourmet trying to say this, this is what you need to do because that's kind of how we preface it. Like everyone's got their own journey. It's no different than – and that's where what's really cool is like it's literally no different than weight loss. Everyone's got their own journey. Gourmet's keto, I'm balanced diet, you know, like whatever works is whatever works for you. And that's exactly the same on the mental health aspect, like whatever works for you, whether it's going to counseling, going to church, having a community, um, reading self-help books, like whatever works for you works for you. And that's, it's not a one side, it's not a one thing, one track success story, right? No, for sure. I think the through line in all of that is though, that ignoring and pushing things down and not not doing the work to to process things mm. is is never going to lead to a net positive result you know it's absolutely never, and it may and, and honestly like i do think for all of us you know that have been through challenging issues or have you know have childhood issues or things along those lines it does be it does become about there's a time for us to deal with the, these things like there are times where we know what we can handle and what we can't handle and so just because like you feel like right now, I know this is something I need to work on, but I just don't feel, you know, like I'm in, a, in the right place to work on it. That's okay. But know that never working on it is, is not going to just make something go away, I guess is, is what, I, what I'm talking about. Because I think it's yeah, like, and it's kind of like the, like, no, go ahead. and it's kind of like with the weight loss, you know, like when we, when we were both like at our heaviest, like, of course we wanted to lose two, 300 pounds, right? But maybe getting a walk-in every day is how we start. You know, like it doesn't matter. You don't have to go straight head first, but you do need to make some sort of actionable step to make yourself uncomfortable to where you can grow. And I think part of that is realizing that for most people, these, you know, and, and I wish, I wish, I almost feel like our, I wish our language was was stronger to you know instead of just saying the word trauma 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 over and over again but we're using that as a catchphrase you know a catch all for the experiences we're talking about but experiences that negatively affect your development they they thrive in the darkness they thrive being pushed down they thrive in that place of ignore of ignorance that place of you know not wanting to face them not wanting to deal with it you know because that's the way we've protected them for years. And it's in a lot of ways, the ways we protected ourselves, you know, from facing these, these emotional challenges and, and being able to kind of put them in proper context and understand how it drives behavior. Because, you know, we're, we're both examples of, you know, you can, you can mechanically do something to change the situation you're in. Like specifically, if we're talking about the impact of these issues on, on weight and weight loss, you can mechanically change your diet. You know, you can, you know, whether it's through following a specific plan, getting into a program, having surgery, whatever it is, you can deal with that. You know, you can do that and you can probably physically get to a goal. But if you don't do any of the unpacking and the processing that's needed to help you deal with the issues that drove the behavior that got you to that place in the first place, then you're never really healing. You know, you're never really reaching that point where you can move yourself forward. Um, if it, at best you're, you're going to white knuckle until something cracks, you know, and at worst you're going to do something, you know, like I, I put on a ridiculous amount of weight really fast, you know, for many reasons, like go falling back into that place because I was purposely not mindful of anything that was going on in my head when I, when I was trying to lose weight, I was focused specifically on the scale and nothing else and had no other sense of purpose or reason or work. And being willing to do the mental side of the mental work side of things is just so important in terms, you know, to help you 
be able to identify what are the what are the behaviors that you know put you back in that place that lead you like you were talking about earlier this year you know lead you back to turning to food like lead you into those situations like you know and sometimes it's it's not all based on past experiences and it's not based on the trauma you know it comes from other places but until you start to unpack it you're not going to know you know you're not going to have that real sense of you know, this is a feeling. This is how I deal with these feelings. This is how I deal with strong emotions. This is how I deal with, you know, an abiding sense of loneliness that's been with me my whole life, an abiding sense of being unwanted, an abiding sense of, of loss, you know, like all of those feelings are really strong and powerful. And it's not until you acknowledge that they're there, you drag them out into the light and say, this is something that has had a real impact on me and I need to do something about it that you can start to move forward, you know, with complete healing, you know, you can, you can heal your body, but maintaining that, that, that sense of health and that sense of purpose, you know, can be really hard if you're not healing your body, your mind, your soul, you know, everything together. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think, especially in today's society where it's so fast paced and it's so incredibly easy to distract yourself. Um, if at a bare minimum, guys, y'all just figure out some sort of grounding routine for yourself, you know, whether it's, hey, I'm going to go put my feet in the grass once a day, whether it's morning or night, or I'm going to play some ocean music and just be with myself for 10 minutes when I wake up. Um, those little grounding techniques Um, so those little grounding techniques, especially in this fast paced society are just very important. Um, especially like, you know, with the phones and the TV and everything's coming at you, you know, it's hard to unpack those things cause we never give our mind a break, you know, to really, to really be with our thoughts. You know, it's so easy to just scroll on Instagram and like not think about things. Um, that's why I think guys, like no matter what, if you take nothing away, like figure out a grounding routine, whether it's putting your feet in the grass or listening to some music or having a cup of coffee on your, on your porch, you know, first thing in the morning, instead of picking up your phone. Um, I'm still working on it, but like one thing I try and do is pick up my phone as late into my morning as possible, because then once I pick up my phone, I'm thinking about work. I'm thinking about what I got to do. I'm thinking about, you know, who's reach out to me on Instagram, who I need to help. And it's, and that's another thing that I guess now we'll take a little side note is like along your journey, it is 100% okay to be selfish. And that is something that it took me a long time to be okay with as I've always been a people pleaser. Um, one thing I heard from one of my coaches is no is a complete answer. You know, so if you're on your journey and you're really trying to, you know, eat healthy and everyone wants to go out and have pizza, you can just say no, thank you, and that's it. You don't have to feel bad. You don't have to feel guilty. You don't have you, besides your kids, I would say maybe, you owe nobody in this world anything. You owe it to yourself and your immediate family to be your best possible self. So no matter what it takes to get along your healing journey or your weight loss journey, like it's okay to be selfish in that and do what you need to do for you. Because in this society, you know, people like to guilt you. And I was guilted before too. Like, Oh, can't you just have a slice of pizza? And like, you know what, man, like I really can't. And I, I know like sometimes you say that too, like about carbs, Gourmet, like, Oh, well no, I just can't like go have a piece of bread or whatever that may be. Right. Like, it's okay to say no and be okay with that. And, and I think that's, you know, a, you know, if the, the message of, of what we've been talking about so far is, you know, being okay with identifying what you've been through and the impact that it's had on your life and what you need to do to work on that and finding the resources to do that. You know, I think then, you know, what, what you're talking about then kind of comes into play as, you know, the next step along that development in terms of, doing what you need to do to take care of yourself, to feel secure, you know, like you were talking about grounding techniques. And I think it's also about just understanding that taking care of yourself is, is, is also something I think that is, is common among people 
who have been through traumatic experiences in their lives have have and if especially if part of that trauma has been feeling lost or rejected you know so you start to become a people pleaser you start to become you know on some levels can become it can develop into codependency like all of those pieces you know defining for yourself what you need to do to take care of yourself and staying strong to that is never about hurting another person you know it's never about what another person gains or, or loses in, in terms of their life. It, it's about what you need to do to take care of yourself. And sometimes that, you know, is a, a, you know, like a desperate drowning situation is, is the airplane scenario where you have to make sure that you affix the, your oxygen before you take care of anyone else. And I, I think a big lesson is realizing, you know, as much as we feel responsible to other people, the person we have to be responsible to first at the end of the day is ourselves and that that's okay. Because I, this is a you know a big lesson for me. Like the the obstacle is the way you know the book you're reading right now is a book that completely changed my life in terms of how I you know I've dealt with a lot of things. And one of the biggest lessons that, you know that came through that book for me is that idea of you know what are the things that I can control, what are the things that I can't control, and how do I start to let go of those things that I can't control and focus on the things that I can. And when that comes to people, I you can't control people. You can't you know try as we might, we can't control other people. And it doesn't just mean that you can't control their actions. It also means you can't control their satisfaction, their pleasure, their reactions to what you're doing. You can't control it. All you can control are how, is how you react to the world and what you put out into the world and the choices that you make. And that realization, again, a lot of this, and this is, I think, the hard part of this discussion, is that there are no clear-cut answers. There's no, this is 100% the way for you to heal everything and deal with it and process it and move on. It's more that we're trying to kind of shine a light on the fact that there are a lot of people out there that are not focusing on enough on these issues that they've, these experiences they've been through in terms of the real impact it's been having on their lives. So finding that way through to do what you need to do to take care of yourself and realize that if that involves you having to say no to someone else or no to an experience or something along those lines, that doesn't decrease your value as a person. It doesn't increase your contribution to the world. You know, it's it's not something where it has to feel selfish and controlling. You know, it, it's really more about, because I, I also like to look at it as like, if you were told by a doctor, you need to take this medicine to save your life. But then someone said, well, I don't want you to take that medicine because if you take that medicine right now, that's going to inconvenience me. You would probably tell that person to flip off. You know, you would tell that person, um, well, the doctor just told me that if I don't take this medicine every hour, I'm, I'm going to die. They're like, well, you know, I'd really rather you do this instead. You know, in that situation, that's extreme. We would probably tell that person to kind of butt out and, and not want them to be a part of our life. But I think we allow emotions from other people to dictate behavior when it comes to things that we're not really conscious of, you know, when it comes to those things that involve our relationships with ourselves, our relationships with food, our relationships with our body. Like for some reason, you know, we have this propensity to want to put more value on what other people are giving back to us instead of what we're doing for ourselves. So finding your way to that place of being able to prioritize your needs is, is so important. And it goes back to something I was saying earlier, that idea that often when you are going through this place of, of imp impacting experience, unpacking experiences and traumas, it does feel like it gets harder. It does feel like everything gets harder because now, you know, if if dealing with, with food issues and weight is something that's been a part of this, it feels a lot less like just following a diet plan is what you need and that there's all this other work that you now need to do. So that can feel overwhelming and hard. And just know that if you're that person that's out there hearing that, like it is, it is hard. It is overwhelming and that's okay. It's allowing it to be okay and to do what you can to take care of yourself and realize that you're not going to accomplish, you know, unpacking 40 years of trauma or 40 years of experience or 40 years of habits and behavior in, in six months. You know, it's going to take time. It's going to take work and give yourself the grace to be able to do that work so that you can, you know, you can, there's a lot of things you can do. Like you, you use the metaphor of an open wound. Like there's a lot of things we can do with an open wound that aren't going to help it heal but we'll stop it from bleeding, you know, that it's going to at least hold back the blood. But to get dive into that healing, it can take more work, you know, it can take a lot more unpacking and a lot more, you know, technique and all of those different pieces. And, and being okay with that 
is, I think, you know, the, the message that I want to get out there today, the message that I think the show gets out there in general, because I do think that's the commonality a lot of times that comes through in the stories of the people that are on this show, that there were these experiences that shaped who they are as individuals, but they came to this place where they realized that they had to process those experiences. And then they were still allowed to redefine who they are and redefine their lives. You know, we all built identities around different things and we feel like we're kind of stuck in those patterns and and stuck in that place of not being able to change. And it's when you come to that place of being able to prioritize yourself and your needs that you realize that that does sometimes involve working on some painful change and that's okay, but it gets you to what you need to do, you know, to live a healthy, happy, thriving life. And all of that is possible if you do the work, you know, if you're willing to do the work and whether that work involves the gym, food, or sitting down with a counselor and working on something or journaling, you know, you know, you talked about the power, you know, fear around journaling, but there's, there's such power to it. And it allows you that time to kind of reflect and those thoughts are your own. And there's just something really, you know, that can be wonderful on that experience as well as fearful as it can be to really get started diving into it all. So I just hope that the message that people are getting from this discussion is that identifying that there are things that you need to work on for yourself is okay. And that finding the right way to work on it is the priority, you know, finding the way for the right way for you, not the right way for me, not the right way for Roger, not the right way for your other favorite friends on, on Instagram, you know, but finding the right way for you so that you can handle the things that you went through and identify the impact that you want to let them have on your life now. Absolutely. Um, it's a long, hard journey, but I think it's worth it in the end, right? And um, and guys and gals, like, if no one tells you today, like, I may have not met y'all, but, like, I love y'all, and, and I only want what's best for y'all. And as scary as it is, you just got to take that, that little step. Um, one of my one-liners that I've always loved, too, is, like, how do you eat an elephant, you know, one bite at a time? So, like, you may see this great big mountain that you have to climb. Well, one step at a time. Like, don't get overwhelmed. I, I'm a big... Uh, that's one of my big faults is I get overwhelmed. Like, dude, I have to do this, this, that. You know, take the kids to baseball, go to work, you know, talk to my clients, blah, blah, blah. You know, just do one thing at a time. Even if you have to write out a little list and say, okay, I got to get these 10 things done. Maybe I can get two done today. No, I think I think that's a great way to put it. I think that idea of allowing yourself to do what you need to do at the pace that you need to do it at is is just really important. Mm-hmm. And I, I I think what comes into play with that is you know the 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 advice to you know like we said this isn't we're not we're not planning to change you know to change the world or or heal the world you know by the end here but the advice is that if there if there is something that understand that these experiences that you've had in your life do not have to be the defining force for your life i i think that also can happen sometimes like people worry that if they admit to things that have happened to them or try to work through them that that becomes how they're completely defined for the rest of their life you know it's the same way when people struggle with the concept of addiction you know it's you know do is, do I have addictive behavior? Am I an addict? Like how do, what words matter and titles matter and all of those things can be really powerful person. So realize you get to define for yourself, you know, the, the place that things have in your life and what you need to do about them. And it doesn't mean that it has to be the end all be all for the rest of your life. Like there may be, you know, things that have happened to you as a person that are going to affect how you approach situations for the rest of your life. But that's because of an experience, you know, and and it's not because of something inherently wrong with you. You know, it's about something that you're dealing with that for most of us, it's not fair, the experiences that that we went through, but we had no control over them. And I think that at the end of the day is just Mm -hmm. realizing that you have permission to to handle those things in the way that is is most appropriate for you and allows you to feel like you're building back that sense of I have an understanding of what's driving my behavior. And, and I feel more control. And 
that can, like you said, that can be hard and that can take a lot of time and it can take a lot of really focused work, but in the end, it's, it's all worth it. You know, it is all worth it because it allows you to feel like you're at the wheel when for a long time you might've felt like there were other things that were driving you. Yeah. That's definitely a, that's definitely a very, how do I put it? That's a very um, rewarding feeling when you actually feel like, man, like I'm in control of my life. And, and granted, like life's uncontrollable to a sense. Um, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But when you finally feel like, hey, like I'm, I'm doing the things I said I was going to do. And that's one of the, probably one of the biggest things I've learned from, from Andy Frisella is happiness comes from keeping the promises that you make to yourself, you know, and that's one thing that I always try, you know, that's where self-confidence comes from because I've gotten to the point in my journey where like, not to be brash, but like, I, I don't give a shit what anyone thinks about me because I think, I think I'm working hard and I think I'm doing not to get too religious. I'm thinking I'm walking in the purpose that the Lord set out for me. And if anyone else feels otherwise, res I respect that, but I got to do what's best for Roger and for Roger's kids. And when you're really getting up every day and giving a hundred percent towards that, and not that it's going to happen tomorrow. Like if you're listening to this and you're, you know, severely overweight, I feel for you because at that moment, you're like, man, like, where do I start? But just those baby steps of, hey, I'm going to I'm gonna make an appointment with the counselor or I'm going to go for a walk today or, you know what, I'm going to make the switch from regular Coke to Diet Coke. You know, whatever that actionable step is for you, when you keep that promise to yourself, that's where you start building that confidence of like, hey, you know what, like I said I wasn't going to eat pizza until Friday. It's Friday. I'm going to enjoy my pizza. Like whatever that may be for you, like that's where true confidence comes from is when you, when you can trust yourself and when you can trust yourself, it unlocks a whole nother level of happiness because then you feel like you're like Gormy said, you're, you're at the wheel of your life again. 100% man. And through all we've been talking about, like I, I, I hope there, there's some through lines here for people, you know, and I, I think it is about, you know, what we wanted to, to do is just be able to kind of shine a light onto this topic that isn't talked about a lot. And sometimes when it is, you know, it can, it can be so personal for the person that's sharing it, that the, the person listening who's dealt with something similar, you know, doesn't necessarily feel like they have a sense of how this impacts them. Like, I, I think in the end, like you said, the, the lesson in all of it is about building mindfulness and, and building, you know, the, the mental skills, you know, that you may not feel like you possess or that you feel like you want to develop, you know, you know, whether that's consistency and discipline and awareness, self-awareness and mindfulness when it comes to behavior. Why am I doing this? Why, why is this in front of me right now? What are the things that I can control? What are the things that I can't control? You know, the, the through line to it all is realizing that, you know, doing the work you need to do to get to that place where those are the, the skills you start developing is a worthy endeavor. And one that we just want to encourage every, anyone out there that any of this resonates for, you know, do that, you know, do some of that exploration, do some of that work, find the resources and tools, you know, obviously, in, in today's show notes, there's going to be the information on the books that Roger mentioned. And I'm also going to put um, some links to different national resources in, in terms of processing trauma and childhood trauma you know, that, that gives some idea of a direction to take, because I, I think it's also possible to listen to us talk and say, I hear myself in a lot of what you're saying, but I don't have any idea of where to get started. You know, I don't have any And then any even idea. maybe we could, um, maybe we could even research, um, I'm not sure what it's called, but I know there's like an online counselor mm -hmm. network now where like you can download an app on your phone mm -hmm. there's and just zoom in with somebody. So we're definitely going to share some resources, you know, in, in the show notes today for you to take a look at that may be helpful tools to help you get started. But the first, the first step for every person is just this idea of 
let me start working on this this self inventory of of what am I dealing with, what am I not dealing with, what what can I control, what can I control, you know, starting to do that work is is valuable, you know, and and allows for you to really achieve some growth and some perspective on your experiences and on your behavior. And the 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 big thing, the hope that I would want to put out there is for people to hear, you know, through your you know what you've talked about from your experience, Roger, and from my experience that we do come to a place where it's not just about identifying these experiences and the impact they've had on us, but identifying what are the things that we need to do now to be able to move past that experience in a way that's healthy. You know, it doesn't mean forgetting, it doesn't mean losing those experiences, but it means putting them in the proper context of the life that you're living and the life that you want to be living. And so I think for someone out there who is feeling lost, who is feeling like they're not even sure a first step to take, take a look at some of these resources and check, maybe check out one of the books, talk to someone, you know, if, if you, you know, obviously you can reach out to both of us, you know, just even to have a discussion, you know, to help you say, like, if you want to say, I'm thinking about doing this, or I'm thinking about doing that. Like I said, we're not, we're not paid professionals when it comes to dealing with these issues, but we're, we are people that are willing to listen, you know, willing to listen to what a person has been through and willing to, you know, here, you know, because I think that also is, is a part of all of this is that sometimes we don't feel that our experiences are heard and that people are actually understanding what we're trying to put out there. And, you know, finding that way of, of that place of feeling heard can really be a big part of, of this work. Absolutely. I think a big part of it, too, is like people just want to be seen, you know, and know that and not validated, but, you know, understood that their feelings are real and sometimes that's the first step to your own healing journey is just have someone i mean me personally like i'm a teddy bear right so like i just like hugging people and being like man like i feel for you like because something about that you know unlocks things i don't know about you but like i know like if i'm having like one of those terrible days and like my mom comes and just like gives me a hug like it just lets everything out so, like, even if virtually we can just be there for you to have someone to vent to so that you can seek better help, you know, that's all we wanted to get out of this conversation. For sure, man, for sure. So, I hope that if you've joined us this week and that you've listened, you know, what we've what we've shared, you know, it, it just gives you that sense that you two are, are, are in a place where you can find the resources that you need and the capability to handle the things that you need to handle and, and do the work that you need to do and know that it's okay for it to be painful and for it to take time and for it to not feel like there's an easy, clear path in front of you. But even when you don't feel like there's a clear path in front of you, that willingness to still fight for yourself is probably the most important thing and probably the most important thing to dive into when you're, when you're really having these thoughts and, and starting to kind of work on these issues is understanding that there's value to you as a person and you know we can say we value you as a person but you you might not believe that because we're just two people talking on a podcast but it, it's really going to be about coming to that place of seeing the value in yourself and if you're someone out there listening today who just says i don't see the value of myself i don't know why anyone else would care i don't know why i should care that's a good place to start honestly you know i i think that's a really good place to start and realize that your past experiences and your even current behavior doesn't define who you're going to be tomorrow and doesn't define who you're going to be moving forward. So realize that the potential for change is there and the potential to do the work and the healing is also there. So we just want to, you know, kind of share that message of taking care of yourself is important. And sometimes we don't stop and slow down enough to do that. And so hope that this even just gave you some time to think about the things for yourself that you need to do, you know, during this, this hour discussion, you know, take that away yeah. from it. Absolutely. Anything else you wanted to share today, man, that we haven't had a chance to dive into? No, I mean, I think we got a lot done today. And, uh, like, just to reiterate what Gormy said, guys and gals, like, unless you can find the value in yourself, you know, it doesn't really matter what me, him, or anybody for that matter tells you. You know, as, as hokey as it sounds, you know, your value comes from within. And the sooner that y'all realize that, that y'all are all amazing, beautiful people, you know, the sooner the healing can begin. 
100% agree. That's why I end every episode and tell people to go out there and do something to amaze themselves today because you really are amazing people and we appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. Roger, I appreciate you reaching out and wanting to start this discussion and I hope that people will continue it. You know, you don't have to continue it with us if you don't want to, but it continues somewhere and plants a seed of thought for people moving forward. Yes, sir. And everyone out there, thank you so much for tuning into this special edition of the Fat Guy Forum. We'll be back again with another episode soon, and I hope that you'll check that one out too.